0: all this hair and so skinny
1: yes what yes. the hell
0: happened to this country <laughs> i
1: know we had craft mac and
0: cheese which is on my grocery list <laughs> i mean, list I mean is one. that what's making our hair <laughs> fall out from rosemary's baby and reggae mcneil to jason Freddie, and chucky to samara jigsaw and pennywise we can't get enough if it's blood curdling spine tingling breath quickening or soul stealing we are ready to watch it Welcome to Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards, and with me in the studio is my lone co-host, Helen Stewart. Hello. All right, for new listeners, this is going to be our format for this episode. First, I'm going to introduce the movie we'll be reviewing and rating. Next, we're going to run through our expectations going into the watch. Then we're going to play the trailer and review the movie in roughly chronological order. After that, Helen's going to take us through Kill, Chill, and Thrill. And finally, we're going to wrap up with our ratings. Tonight we're going to be reviewing the 1978 American science fiction horror film classic Invasion of the Body Snatchers directed by Philip Kaufman and starring Donald Sutherland Brooke Adams. Veronica Cartwright, Jeff Goldblum, and Leonard Nimoy, released on September twenty second, 1978. It's the remake of The Invasion of the Body Snatchers, 1956, which is based on the novel The Body Snatchers by Jack Finney. The plot involves a San Francisco health inspector and his colleague who discover that humans are being replaced by alien duplicates. Each is the perfect copy of the person replaced, only devoid of human emotion. It was released in the United States over the Christmas weekend in 1978, and it grossed nearly $25 at the box office. It initially received varied reviews from critics, though its critical reception has significantly improved in subsequent years, receiving a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes and also being hailed as one of the greatest remakes ever, as well as one of the best science fiction horror films of all time. So let's start with our expectations.
1: Helen. So I've never seen this before. I've heard of it, but I was never really big into sci-fi when I was younger, so I was kind of interested to see how it was going to play out because we've seen a couple of sci-fis like Annihilation, yeah, and I really enjoyed that, so I wanted to see kind of like where it all kind of started.
0: So I picked this movie. From when we started the podcast, I have wanted to review this movie, mostly because when I was like, I don't know, 11 or 12, it was some Sunday, random Sunday, right? Boring Sunday, and... I was flipping through the channels, I think, and I hit like TBS or TNT and this movie was on, but I caught it in the middle and I caught Spock, Leonard Nimoy. That's why I stopped. I was like, wait a minute, that's Spock. And he looked young compared to what I was used to seeing him in the movies, even back in the nineties, which is when this would have been. And so I stopped and I, I think I watched it all the way through because I knew the ending watching it this time. But yeah, I was excited to watch it again. I know that last episode we had reviewed The Invisible Man, which is... Way back, 1933, right? So in keeping with the sort of older movie motif, this was the 70s. We've only do, done a couple 70s movies. Halloween and Exorcist, I think, were the only two that we've done so far. Um, so I was excited to watch another genuine uh, horror classic in the 70s.
1: Yeah, I don't know how much I've seen Leonard Nimoy in besides the Star Trek. Yeah, me either. Or he was in that show
0: fringe fringe yes which he played basically like a spock sort of guy anyway
1: yeah it was crazy i didn't realize how thin he was (laughs) he (laughs) has little tiny pants (laughs) like
0: everybody in that movie seemed very trim i mean i guess that's that's before the obesity epidemic in america or it's san francisco and they're just fit i don't really know
1: all of that yeah all of that (laughs) together
0: (laughs) all right well with that let's roll the trailer
2: They come from a dying world. They drift through the universe, pushed on by the solar winds. They adapt, and they survive. The function of all life is survival. Sleep, sleep, sleep. From deep space, sleep. the seed is planted. Sleep. grows. Matthew! 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 Like others! Elizabeth, wake up! Get you when you sleep! Sit up! Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It's got no detail, no character. It's unformed. All of a sudden, they're growing like parasites. Is it contagious? People are being duplicated. How do you know my name? I didn't tell you my name. I can't find anything in here that looks like a body. My side's nosebleed. It looked right at me. You're looking at it as if it was human. It was not human. Now, the classic fear begins to grow. <laughs> We're being cornered. In a modern masterpiece of science fiction. They're barricading the street. Invasion of the body statues. It. Donald Sutherland, Brooke Adams, Leonard Nimoy. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. From deep space, the seed is planted. Terror grows.
0: A race of gelatinous creatures abandons their dying planet and travels to Earth, landing in San Francisco. They take the form of small pods with pink flowers. Elizabeth Driscoll, a laboratory scientist at the San Francisco Health Department, brings one of the flowers to her home. She awakens the next morning to discover her boyfriend, Jeffrey, acting cold and distant, Driscoll's colleague, Matthew Bennell, advises her to visit a psychiatrist, David Kibner, who is giving a presentation of his new book. As Elizabeth and Matthew drive to the presentation, a hysterical civilian warns them of danger before being killed in a hit-and-run, with his body being observed by emotionless onlookers. At the bookstore, Elizabeth asks Kibner for help regarding Jeffrey, but he theorizes that Elizabeth is using the belief that Jeffrey is behaving differently as an excuse to interrupt their relationship. Meanwhile, Jack, an aspiring writer and friend of Matthew calls Matthew to investigate when a deformed body resembling himself is found in his wife Nancy's mud parlor. Matthew goes to Elizabeth to warn her, but discovers a semi-formed duplicate of her. Matthew rescues Elizabeth and alerts the police, but the duplicates of Jack and Elizabeth disappear before their arrival. Okay, so that's like 75% of the movie right it there, I feel like.
1: Definitely is, yeah. yeah. I I guess it, when it starts with this race of gelatinous creatures... It looked almost like, I guess, Mercury when you looked at it from the – there's the sun right there, and you're looking out, and I'm like, what is happening? It's like solar flare. You see, it's just – none of that made really – like, what was the point of that? Yeah, Yeah. it's just
0: space. It's just showing you – it was interesting to me that the movie decided to show you what was going on before the characters knew what was going on. Like, sometimes you have these movies where, you know, people are being – you know, replaced. We have zombie movies where people don't understand what's happening at first and they have to figure it out. Like we know right away, we're like with the aliens, like the aliens are landing. We understand, we see what all that's happening. And I guess that's maybe supposed to have placed some dread on it. Cause you're like, Oh my gosh, the kids are out there picking the flowers. You know, the flowers aren't right. And you're, I guess that's what they were going for. But I guess I was surprised that we so quickly learned what was happening.
1: Right. I don't know if I really picked up on that their planet was dying. Did they say something?
0: No, but here—so here's a little fun fact, and I think the reason they said this, because in the original book, the story is that the pod people only live for five years, and then they can't reproduce sexually— and so basically all life that's replaced by them dies within the amount of time that they become pod people then five years later. So then then the spores go up into space and, like, move on after they've used all the resources of the planet or all the life on the on the planet. So I think that maybe makes more sense in the context of that plot than it does in this one where it just seems like people are being replaced with emotionless versions of themselves.
1: Right. Yeah, I can see that.
0: But I did like the graphics. I thought the graphics were cool. I mean, they're in line with like Star Trek, the motion picture, which came out in the 70s and Star Wars creature effects type of thing. I mean, I thought they were okay.
1: Yeah, I felt like it was more like the aliens were cottony, more translucent on the abandoned planet. And then once they got to Earth, I don't know if with the moisture, because it was kind of raining when they landed on the vegetation that that's when they started to get more gelatinous. Or if I was reading too much into it because...
0: Yeah, they certainly didn't look gelatinous when they were in space. They looked like the things that float in your eye. <laughs> you know, that you're like looking at. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, that's what they reminded me of. Yeah. um, I don't know what those things are called. Uh, And then, yeah, when they got to the planet, they were like goopy. And then you had like the the spindly things come out, which yeah. obviously was like a reverse... A camera, like they're playing it in reverse. Right. But it was still cool because I was watching all the rain droplets on the leaves to see if they moved in reverse, like if they went back up the leaf or whatever, you know? Uh-huh. And none of them moved, which oh, was no? good. But that was a good effect, I thought.
1: Yeah. I thought having – because then they shoot to the – I guess the next scene or next couple of scenes where it's like they're in a microbiology lab that because of the way that they started to kind of like grow, it was like dendritic, which kind of plays into part with the fungal identification, which you know goes with this micro lab that I thought that was gonna play such a huge part and it ends up playing absolutely nothing.
0: I think that there was potentially a missed opportunity there. The, yes. the plot moves so quickly. I mean really with it's I think the whole movie only takes place over two nights or three nights. I don't think there's much time in between. Right. I mean, they're literally like they take over the entire city in no time, flat.
1: Yeah, it was it was very much like a zombie apocalypse where, you yeah. know, they take it over so quickly and you're just you know, humans are just done.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a survival movie at, right. at that point. It shifts very quickly, I agree. Um, did you notice the priest on The Swing? Yes. So that's Robert Duvall. Oh, really? Director Robert Duvall. Yeah, he's a friend of the of the director. And the director was like, well, it's a 70s horror movie, so I guess there needs to be a priest. But is exactly what I thought when I uh-huh. saw him in there. I was like, oh, it's got to have a priest. I means a- he has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. But there he is. So
1: then they, they went into this whole thing where she – She's walking through the the woman, the main character, Elizabeth. She's Elizabeth. walking through, I guess the park area where she sees the priest and all that, and they there are these flowers coming from the aliens on the shrubs, yep. and she's like, "Oh, that's pretty, and she picks one and goes back to her house and starts digging through books to figure out. I thought I got kind of technical there.
0: yeah, and I was like, yeah. what
1: was the point of that? Yeah, I guess just to point out that it's not a species that we actually have.
0: yeah, I guess it was to say that the people in the movie weren't stupid, right? But it's interesting because just like with the lab, it doesn't really go anywhere. I mean, she even goes to the guy later on in the movie, says, could you analyze this, analyze it? And he says, yes, I'll do it in 24 hours. Now, obviously, I think he's a pod person at that point, so it doesn't matter. Right. But, yeah, I mean, they, they never, the humans never have a chance, basically. Right. To even figure out what's going on.
1: She, she brings the flower home, puts it in a jar... I guess, like, uh, with water to yeah, with water. probably try to get it to get the, the roots going or whatever. And she
0: even mentions the fact that, that it roots quickly or something like that. Right, yeah. Say.
1: And then I guess the boyfriend wants to go to a game or, like, you can tell, like, the boyfriend's very sports-oriented. Yes. But then in a matter of hours, he's not into sports, and she's automatically like, this isn't my boyfriend, which was a little quick to me.
0: Yeah, well, so, so she goes to bed at 11.30, Right, okay. she looks at the clock. She specifically so the flower sitting right next to the clock, and he's asleep. And she she like looks at the clock. It's like eleven thirty or twenty five or something like that. They go to sleep, and then they wake up in the morning at around seven o'clock because she looks again. I think, and he's up already, and right. he's sweeping what is his own remains.
1: Like oh, that's husk what that was into
0: the waste path.
1: Oh, I bin. thought he had just tried to eliminate the evidence of the flower growing too quickly. So he because it was like that wasn't there anymore either.
0: No, well because the pod had already it, it, he he swept it all up. So okay, so I know this is not necessarily in the chronological order or chronological order of the movie, but one of the things I don't understand about the movie is how the pods and the whole thing work. It seems to me like they're a little. Loosey-goosey on the whole thing. Right. Because you have the little flowers, which is a little version of the pod. Right. And then you have the big pods yes. that, that birth the, the, the pod people. And then you have the pod people that kind of have tendrils that want to come off and get onto people. Right. right. And I'm not sure how all of those things are related because there seems to be no correlation to, okay, the pod per, pod has to be close to the person. So when the pod thing comes out, it can tendril onto somebody, onto that person and like, drain them or anything. Could, literally, they could, you could just have space between you and the other pod, right? Like, yes. Like it doesn't seem like there's anything to, there. And also, they manufacture these big pods. Right. So, like, are they... Are the big pods, the little pods, just... The little flowers just grown up? Like, it all takes... It's all very quick, so I just don't know.
1: Right. Yeah. I was just trying to talk it through now. is kind of helping me put it a little bit more together, because I guess the little tendrils suck your
0: memories maybe but not everybody like, has those though
1: but like if you talk to leonard, leonard Nimoy, he has so much, like he talks like a psychiatrist but clearly he's he's done
0: well yeah well they they have all your memories right but, but i don't yeah. but i'm not sure the tendrils are required for it this is that's, that's a weird one i will say this what i think happens is the little pod little flowers become the big pods very quickly okay. right but only so many people are gonna get changed by those initial pods so then, like those pod people get to get together, and they're like, "All right, let's get together. Let's manufacture more of these pods, and then we're gonna hand them out across the city to purposefully replace people that we want to replace." Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I think that's the whole point. I, I, but I do think the little flowers obviously become the pods because the guy got replaced.
1: Right. It's just how. how yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that's yeah. blowing my mind.
0: I don't know either. But yeah, he gets replaced, and then, yeah, like you say, in the morning, and she's immediately like, this guy's weird. Although, in her defense, he was like some sports dude who really looked like he didn't give a crap about anything, and then the next day, he's in a full suit, and he's ready to go.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know he's a dentist, so I assumed it was business-oriented. However, I guess if my husband all of a sudden said something about how I'm not going to watch football on a Sunday, I'd probably be like, huh, what happened to you? <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. And she doesn't initially seem to think that he's, like, an alien. I mean, she just thinks that he's changed. She's like, it doesn't seem like it's him.
1: Yeah, it wasn't like it was full-blown, it's not him. It was more of a, he's acting strange, but then it was, like, a conversation after that. It was, he's not, there's definitely, he's not it's himself. not himself, like, yeah, yeah. there's something wrong.
0: One of my favorite, like, scenes in this movie is her using the telephone at her house. She's talking to Matthew, the Donald Sutherland's character, and he's asking her to come in early. And her telephone has a cord, uh like a retractable cord. And it's very obvious that they're like showing this, you know, cool 70s technology. Look at this cord <laughs> goes into the wall. And I'm like, this is so crazy. So it's like this huge, like I don't know, it's like a, almost like bigger than a regular piece of paper. You know what I mean? Like block of metal great thing with the with the phone in it. It's crazy.
1: It was crazy. I, I loved liked, it. I liked it. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, well, we we didn't talk about Matthew's big entrance where he's the health inspector. Yes. And, I mean, ratatouille. That's all I thought was ratatouille. Yes, I mean, yes. it was like perfect ratatouille to me. He goes in and, you know, there's like this French guy and he finds the rat turd or the caper in, in the um, in the soup, you know. And then he's like, you know, got the black light and the rice. Like, he's hardcore government regulation. Yes. Like, he's keeping it safe for people eating out in San we Francisco. We still
1: have the question on, is it or is it not a caper? I
0: don't know. I don't know. I mean, the only thing that makes me think it wasn't a caper is that, and I couldn't tell if this was uh, linked or not, is the next day when Elizabeth comes in to talk to him, they're in the hallway, and this guy has a rat in a bag, and he says, did you get it or whatever? He's like, that's what I found. And I don't know if that was related to that right. restaurant. Yeah. I assumed so, but I I assumed don't know. as
1: well. I would have thought that you would have had a little bit more indication of some feces besides the one- in the soup, and how did it get in the soup?
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I assume that he was like, that's why he was looking in the rice, like they had transported right. it with some other thing. Yeah, he's definitely like, that's big brother government at its best in the 70s, right? His
1: hair was great.
0: Oh, his hair was fantastic.
1: Yes, we all had the conversation earlier about how we don't recall him having hair like that, ever. Like, he just has that classic, you know, silver hair type thing going on and this is the first time you've ever seen him with the Goldilocks, so, shall we say.
0: Yeah, I mean he I mean he was young and he's svelte in this movie. You he know what was I mean? He's svelte. tall. Yeah. I mean I don't know about that mustache, but I mean, you know, I mean that 70s. was seventies. Yeah. 70s. I feel like
1: you'd totally have to give him a break for the stash.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Although sleeping Like, I know we're going a little bit later, but when he sleeps and his eyes are slightly open, that was disgusting. Oh, yeah. That was
0: freaky. But I think, but I'm sure that they were like, could you keep your eyes open a little bit? Yeah, just roll them around a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that whole thing. It was gross. So I liked it when they introduced him and then that night she comes to his house. It's like my favorite scene, I think, in the movie where she comes to his house. She's worried about Jeffrey and he's like cooking. He's like you know, stir fry. Yeah. Chopping some veggies, chopping, chopping some veggies, doing his thing. And uh she's telling him uh what's going on. And then they go out and, outside and eat using chopsticks and they're eating and they're kind of talking say flirting back and forth yeah, almost. Like yeah. he's definitely there was definitely her.
1: something going on that you know, you were kind of confused because you saw that she had the boyfriend. Yeah, but she had the boyfriend. There was yeah. a spark.
0: Yeah, and then she does that thing with her eyes, which freaked me what out. I don't even know what that was. was. That? Look, listen, if you haven't seen this movie, just watch the movie just for her eyes thing because yeah, it is crazy. Like, is a,
1: how do you figure out that you have that talent? I don't,
0: I don't and know. did they
1: just figure it out on set and then just say, "Hey, just throw that in the movie they, somehow"? They
0: did. Apparently, he was he was trying to get them to be natural. And through the course of, like, talking to her about what things that she did and whatever, like, she said this I thing. He's like, all right, we'll do it. You know what I mean? Oh, which is, okay. Which is great. Uh, one of the things the director said was, you know, a lot of these movies are just trying to get content. And he wanted to try to get more than just content. He wanted the actors to feel like real people, which I kind of felt like this movie did a really good job of. It felt like 70s San Francisco real. There's a lot of people around. They're around. They're not sanitized. They right. seem very real, you know?
1: Right. It was definitely more than a horror movie. You felt the relationships there.
0: The thing I realized about this movie versus what I read about the movie in 56, the movie in 56 took place in a small town, and it was sort of like a, a small town invasion that was based around, like, McCarthyism of the time, the 50s, and this one was much more rooted in progressivism. Like, San Francisco was liberal hotbed America, right? And you could tell that in the way, you know, he's eating stir fry with with chopsticks how many people you think in the 70s are that progressive in america watching this movie it must have seemed alien to somebody in you know the center of pennsylvania watching this right you know and he even mentions stories like well you know kibner talking about the uh, psychiatrist he could rule out things like an affair like him becoming gay him becoming a republican like it's just so like it's it's funny and i guess in this in our age we wouldn't say becoming gay because obviously it's not a choice but i mean people who are gay don't sometimes realize it or come out as gay until they're adults or until they're married and have families and stuff. So, so, um, I wouldn't, for that, from that, not anything negative towards gay people, you know?
1: Right. Yeah. No, I thought everything's felt really kind of natural there, that whole conversation and Like, I didn't, you know, I don't even think nowadays you could take offense to how it was being said. But back with her crazy eyes, I thought that was going to play a major part because he says, I'll always know you're crazy if you can do your crazy eye thing. And that never came up again. So I thought, you know, in order for him to determine whether or not she was a pod person, he was going to make her do the crazy eyes.
0: Yes, I believe that the plot is super linear. There is not a lot of complexity to callbacks or that sort of thing. Like we said, the the, the lab plays no part. Right, that plays no part. Like it basically is. I don't want to say balls to the wall. Like one thing to the next, all the way to the end. Balls to the wall. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, but but well, that's pretty much what it is. <laughs> that's true. Um,
1: and I and I don't think that it was. I don't want to say it was lacking because of it, because I still enjoyed the movie. But I felt like, why give me these extra details if you're not going to play on them?
0: Yeah, I mean I think this goes to maybe modern storytelling, right? I mean we're we're used to everything in the mo- in a movie being for a specific purpose that's going to be called back later in the movie. I feel like anyway.
1: So my argument there is we all know I love The, the Halloween movie 1978, sure. which is the same year that this came out. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of signs within that movie where Michael was like kind of going like, there was the the metal matchbook and of the Red Rabbit or whatever. So mm-hmm. I felt like ba- even then, they still tried to, like, link things throughout. Whereas this one, like you said, was paused to the wall linear. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it's because it's a different kind of genre that they – And then, obviously, Halloween is a little bit more of a slower movie. Whereas this one was, like, almost – In the beginning, we have to get this scene for two minutes and this scene for two minutes and this scene for two minutes, which annoyed me a little bit until it all kind of came together.
0: Yeah, I thought it made the movie feel very long. I mean, I know it's an hour and 56 minutes anyway, but thinking at the very end of the first time I watched it over this you know, rewatch, I went back and I was like, wow, it seems like it goes very far. For I mean, the time frame is very short. It's like two or three days, like we said, but it seems like a lot happens right. in that time. There's
1: so much detail yeah. and the detail doesn't really give you anything towards the movie.
0: Yeah, it doesn't serve the plot purpose, right? Because right. the plot basically just—they don't have any control or anything. They're just kind of moving through it, right, to a large degree. Yeah. The other thing I liked in San Francisco, as far as the setting, is the Trans-American Pyramid, which is like in almost—I going to say like half the shot outside shots. You see this pyramid building, and I actually liked it because it almost helped me orient myself in the city. It was like, oh, I see it over there. I'm over here. Okay, it's over there. I'm. Over. I don't know. I, I like that. And apparently that building was finished construction in '74. So it literally had only been on the skyline, in the skyline for a couple years. Oh, so it's wow. almost like when they filmed it, it was a new thing. I'm sure right. people watching it in San Francisco was like, wow, that's a that new building. And it was the tallest building west of Chicago uh, when it was built. And it was the tallest building in San Francisco until 2017. Oh, really? Yep.
1: I wonder what surpasses it now.
0: The uh, Salesforce building. Oh, okay. Big whoop de doo Have you been that, out there? I have been to San Francisco one time. Back in nineteen ninety eight, I think nineteen ninety (laughs) eight. Yeah, so long ago. So do you recall seeing the pyramid? I do not. Uh, I saw, um, I saw, I saw Alcatraz, uh, and that's pretty much it. I didn't even see. I mean, I saw it. I didn't even go to it. I just saw it, and uh, I was actually on a assignment for the Air Force. Okay. uh, In Vacaville, California, which is like an hour north. uh, In nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, I was in the Air Force in nineteen ninety seven.
1: Oh, God. I'm yeah. just thinking how old I was, and I don't think for that big of a difference, but I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, <laughs> well, we didn't play the age game. We'll, we're going to play oh, the gonna age play game. We're okay. going to play it later. I we're going to play it later. Don't you worry. Were I, have, the age I have them
0: all right here. I have them all right here. Yeah. So, anyway, I've been there one time, but um, I, I've been to Napa uh, a couple times uh, since then. That's as close as I've gotten to San Francisco directly.
1: So. Okay. Well, my husband is a huge 49ers fan, so he's uh-huh. been out there. Ah. I have not been out there yet, but we're planning on obviously taking a trip out there at some point.
0: Well, then you know what you can do, you can get all the places here and you I can go am. visit all the places. Yeah, I'll
1: have to go see this microbiology laboratory.
0: <laughs> well, apparently the the public health building still exists. That that door still exists they went in yeah. and out of a bunch of times. Um,
1: I did go on and see a website where they did like a then picture from uh-huh. the movie and a now picture. Yeah. And the microbiology laboratory is still labeled as such but yeah. now obviously we used to be able to eat food in there in the labs back in the 70s and now we have all the don't eat food there's biohazard stickers so all those stickers are now on the door but the door is the same and like oh. the lab kind of looks the same but there's different like cabinetry yeah stuff. yeah sure sure yeah. yeah
0: that's cool yeah i mean i personally want to go see if the all new coeds are still there from the uh later in the movie but i don't know if that whole strip of you know, strip clubs is still there. And I doubt it. Um, probably all.
1: Maybe we can all go out together. You can check <laughs> yeah, out the strip clubs and I'll, take, I'll check out the micro lab.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll check out the Trans America building too. You know what
1: I mean? Just drive by it as you on your way to the strip club. A little
0: bit of culture. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, did you not find it surprising that, like, immediately he's saying, Let me take you to the psychiatrist?
0: I kind of felt like it was weird. But I also think that, once again, in the 70s, the sort of psych pop thing psychiatry thing was just getting big like that was a big deal and i think it was more of like a pop culture thing yeah than anything and he's like a friends with this guy right it's that sort of thing so i feel like it was more along the lines of a 70s cultural thing than it was like making any sense otherwise you know what i mean
1: okay i just i mean given our mental stigma nowadays i was just kind of surprised that it was like this natural progression of immediately well, jumping to there well, he's
0: progressive that so that's is the thing. It's very progressive in San Francisco. The and I'm sure everyone else is like, why would I go see a quack? I mean, I'm sure the rest of the country.
1: Well, then you go up and you see Lem- Leonard Nimoy, and I'd be like, what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, he was... I wouldn't have talked to him after seeing him with that lady, that first lady. I thought yes. he, that whole thing was weird to me.
1: Right. I felt like that was kind of the tell that he was not... Like, he was a pod person. Well,
0: was he a pod person at that point? I can't tell if he was a pod person at that point, because... He goes into the whole like you know. Well, everyone's been telling me it's like a hysteria. I mean, he seemed like he was. There was no. I mean, it
1: is Leonard Nimoy. What is his name in here? (laughs) I only know him as Leonard.
0: Yeah, no, um, Kibner,
1: Kibner, right. So I just felt like him as an actor in general, having played Spock, like there's no emotion. So maybe that's part of the problem.
0: It is part of the problem. So
1: you can't tell if he was human or not human. But I guess we'd have to read the book to find out.
0: Yeah, he looked so different to me. I mean, that's why I stopped. His hair when I was, was a kid. amazing. Yeah, when I was a kid, when I stopped, I was like, I can't believe this is Spock.
1: I just wanted to run my fingers through it. Like it looked really soft and shiny. Yeah, I mean,
0: all these people, like with all this hair and so skinny.
1: Yes. What yes. the hell
0: happened to this country?
1: <laughs> I know we had Kraft mac and cheese, which is on my grocery I mean, list. I by mean, I mean, is
0: that what's making our hair fall out?
1: <laughs> Maybe oh, I don't man. know.
0: <laughs> and all this corn syrup's killing us. Killing our follicles. I don't know what's going on.
1: Save the follicles.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so then I did not realize this, but Jeff Goldblum is in this movie. And I was like, is that Jeff Goldblum?
1: Yeah. So shout out to my friend at work who has an absolute crush on him. And I laugh every single time I think about it because every time I think about Jeff Goldblum, I'm like, give it another 20 years with Jurassic Park. And he is not cool in that movie. But give him another twenty years, and he's actually kind of hot.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, Jeff Goldblum's awesome.
1: Yeah, but like, never would have thought that back in whenever the Jurassic Parks came out.
0: Yeah, ninety one, ninety two. Yeah. 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 No, and in this movie, he's like a rail thin guy. Yes. And he has like some of the mannerisms of Jeff Goldblum, but you can tell he's like proto Jeff Goldblum. Like he just doesn't have quite the Jeff Goldblumness.
1: Yeah, I don't know when his acting career started, but I feel like this has to be this is one of his, to, his yeah. first, yeah. But yeah, he almost seemed to me that he might be kind of on the spectrum a bit because clearly his intelligence was like skyrocket high. Yeah. But he just didn't have the interpersonal communication type skills that you would. So I thought he was going to be the psychiatrist at first, and then him and the Kipner were kind of like butting heads.
0: Yeah, he was like a poet or something crazy, right? Yeah.
1: So I guess it was like a reading, and he, he got dismissed to, or something. Yeah,
0: he didn't get to read his yeah with all the snooty San Francisco San Franciscans. You know, whatever the book, the book people. You know what I mean. And there's (laughs) stuff like yeah,
1: those well-read people. Those
0: well-read people, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and then and then Kibner does the whole like it's you trying to run run away from your relationship thing. And I thought Brooke Adams did an excellent job of kind of acting that where she looked like she was honestly listening to him. Mm -hmm. Didn't seem offended, nor did she seem cowed by what he was saying. And she was thinking (laughs) like just literally thinking it through, and in the end being like yes. But also kind of like, I'm not buying, really buying that bullshit. Like, right. not really.
1: And I wonder if that was part of the interaction with the wife, where the wife was also saying, you know, like, my husband's not himself. Yeah. That she's like, well, I saw you interact with her. I don't really like that. So now I think you are you might be feeding me a line of BS. But I think, you know, we also see that relationship with Matthew that you're like, yes, she's feels this thing. And she's probably coming to the realization that she doesn't really like Jeffrey because he was douchey.
0: He was he was like George Michael. He looked like George Michael to me. Nothing like crazy. Like he was a really good looking guy from like a facial structure perspective. I feel like like I feel like he was an attractive man for the seventies. Um, his hair was crazy, but the seventies.
1: I felt like he got uglier as the movie went on. Well, yeah, I don't know why.
0: I think they shot him in a way that made like him look cold and sort of. I don't know. I agree with you. I think he he got less human seeming to me. I guess. Yeah,
1: he reminded me of Willem Dafoe with a full head of hair, but a little bit more attractive.
0: That's true. He was like a like a younger brother, better looking Willem Dafoe. Yes. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because he had like the, the jaw, Willem Dafoe yes. jaw. Yes. Yeah. And the coloring. I yeah, guess the
1: coloring, the coloring of the yeah, hair.
0: Yeah. 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 I got you. I got you. Thank
2: I'm, you. I'm with you on that. All
0: right. <laughs> yeah. So they go through this whole thing and then they kind of split up after the, the psychiatrist and Jack ends up going back to his wife. And he and his wife had this mud parlor, which is pretty funny because it's like this real fat guy in the in, yeah. the, in the mud, and it was and all bubbly, right? Yeah, and it was like, all bubbly. Would, I, I don't know if it was supposed to be the pod or what. the deal Because they was thought with it that. was a
1: pod, and then they tried to like check for it. Yeah, and, and it wasn't nothing there. ever came of that. Yeah, but then at first I thought he was just having gas in there.
0: Yeah, I, I was like, does yeah. gas
1: come out of mud bubbles? I've never had a mud bath.
0: I'm sure it probably does. If there's enough of it, maybe. I mean, I, I feel know.
1: like it would be so thick that it would have a hard time coming up like
0: that i i don't know I t- <laughs> obviously i thought
1: a lot about this i while tell you what these mud bath scenes <laughs>
0: go to a mud bath and go no, try and no, see what I, happens. no
1: i don't think i could, I don't think i could handle that
0: um, <laughs> the mud bath or the
1: all of it <laughs>
0: yeah yeah i don't know i mean i couldn't handle being her helping naked fat men no. out of the tub and then like massaging them yeah which is a whole nother thing that was thing.
1: like oh oh god yeah, no. That yeah, was that, was,
0: that was crazy. Awful. But you get Jeff Goldblum's pod person. Yeah. Right? Which I thought was cool. But once again, there's the tendrils. Like, the tendrils were going for him. And you're like, okay, I get that. And it seemed to be dead until he fell asleep and then it opens its eyes. Like, it's getting ready to take him over. Right. And then he opens his eyes and it closes its eyes. So yeah. you're like,
1: okay. Is it like a, I'm stealing your, like, animation type thing?
0: Yeah, I don't know. And, and like, it, there must be some sort of Wi-Fi or something. Like, it must be doing it remotely.
1: Right. Almost like a sensor. Yeah. I weird. mean, it did seem like people were able to and I think this was part of the the, the manic part, like the anxiety ridden part, because I think Elizabeth also notices a lot of stuff around her before anybody else does. But you notice the people in the area just look at each other and oh, get yeah, this look yeah. and then it's like something gets communicated. Yeah. So something must trigger these spider tendril things to just go.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I I, I never couldn't figure that out. Although I did kind of figure, the first time I watched it, I didn't really realize, when the body disappears, I was like, well, the body disappeared. How'd that happen? But obviously, Kibner, at that point, is a pod person, I think. Because he goes back and he goes in there and says, why, well, I could not find a body. And then they just find an open window. And you're like, well, okay, well, Kibner took it and... Once you find out he's a pod person later right. on, you're like, oh, well, he he got rid of the body.
1: And you sporadically see all these trash trucks with, like, the oh, spider that, I, webby I, stuff. part. And love I was like, part. what? Like, at first, it took me a while to figure out yeah, what's happening. Yeah, I think
0: so, too. Yeah, me, too. The husks.
1: Like, why, why do you keep showing me trash trucks? Yeah. Like, but, San Francisco must be really <laughs> on top of their but trash. It, but
0: it was always that, like, husky stuff, like yes. the gray husky stuff. And yeah. it was the people. It was the remains right. of the people. That's, yeah, I, I like that. And they're everywhere. They're in the background of, like, every scene. Yes. I liked it,
1: and it's always crunching down on the husks. And yeah, like, I was like, "What is happening?"
0: Yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot.
1: Okay, before the book reading, they were driving. Um, Elizabeth and Matthew were driving together, and there's this like guy who kind of like stops in front of their car and starts freaking out about, yeah. you know, it's not them. They're not really them. And then tries to run off screaming some more, and then just gets hit by this car. And then you later see all these people just standing over his body, like. I didn't take anything from them as being pod people at the time. I don't know how you felt. I just kind of thought that it was a shock of somebody getting hit.
0: Yeah, I I think they were clearly trying to say that they were pod people. But one thing the pod people didn't do as much as I thought they were going to do was like look up all at once. Like they did kind of seem like normal people. Yeah. You know, you had a little bit of a distinction there when she's kind of telling her story about going through the city. She sees people looking at her. But it wasn't quite so overt that it was obvious, I guess. But yeah, that guy gets hit. Now, do you know who that guy was? No. So that is Kevin McCarthy, who is the actor who played Dr. Benel in the 1956 version.
1: Oh, and nice. And at the
0: end of the 1956 version, he's left basically yelling the exact same thing that he yells in this movie before he dies. So some people speculate that this is actually a sequel to the 1956 movie. Oh, really? That he's been out there trying to warn people about these pod people for 20 years. And, you know, he's in San Francisco. So and then he dies, unfortunately. But, yeah, so right. he gets a cameo in this movie.
1: That's really cool. Yeah. And I would like to know what the people say about it being a part two.
0: It's. I mean, I think it's an homage. I don't think it's right. supposed to be. I think the director said a metaphorical sequel or something like that, right? Oh, N- okay. Not necessarily right. a real sequel. But it's cool, though. Yeah.
1: That is really, really cool.
0: Elizabeth deduces that the flowers are involved and examines them at the health department, failing to find records of it, whilst Matthew unsuccessfully attempts to alert several government agencies and discovers that several close friends and associates have been duplicated. At night, Matthew and his friends are nearly duplicated as they sleep, Matthew calls the police but realizes that the department has been duplicated. Matthew destroys the duplicates with an axe before escaping with the others. The pods, extraterrestrials who take the form of humans and kill the originals in their sleep, set off in pursuit of Matthew's group. The pods emit a shrill scream when they discover a human being among them. Jack and Nancy create a distraction allowing Matthew and Elizabeth to escape back into the city. Matthew and Elizabeth take refuge in the health department where they take a large dose of speed, keeping them awake for several more hours. They are soon captured by Jack and Kibner who were previously duplicated and injected with sedatives whilst being informed of of their intentions for survivability, though their previous dose of speed enables them to escape and kill Jack's duplicate whilst locking Kibner in a refrigerated room. Matthew and Elizabeth reunite with Nancy who has learned to evade the pods through hiding her emotions. The two follow her example, but their cover is blown when Elizabeth screams at the sight of a mutant dog with a human face. They separate from Nancy in their escape and quickly board a truck delivering the plants to Pier 70, where the pods are growing them and intending to ship them overseas and other widely populated cities. While Matthew scouts the area in an attempt to flee aboard a vacant ship, Elizabeth soon falls asleep and is duplicated before the former returns. Horrified and enraged, Matthew breaks into the dock's warehouse and burns down the building, destroying several plants and killing many pods before hiding underneath a pier, with more pods arriving in the area and searching for him, confidentially asserting that he will soon fall asleep nevertheless. Soon after, the emotionless Matthew returns to work at the health department with the duplicated employees, including Elizabeth, and witnesses several schoolchildren being taken for duplication while more plants are being prepared for the remaining West Coast cities. Afterwards, Matthew heads towards City Hall and encounters Nancy, who has remained human. Unfortunately, Matthew points to her and shrieks, having become a pod and Nancy, now the only human in the city, screams helplessly.
1: So when they went back to the the health department, mm-hmm. I know they had previously asked a fellow scientist to kind of look at the flowers and see if he can determine anything from them and I guess from that you're supposed to interpret it he set up this huge titration. I don't know if you remember the apparatus yeah. that he had mm-hmm. and they, there was like a beaker and it was just like dripping stuff in there. So I honestly thought that given their science backgrounds and that they're in this micro lab and that they've had all these discussions about how the plants were like unique, that they were going to find a solution to the problem at that point. And I was so disappointed because that meant the lab meant nothing.
0: Yeah, it would have been interesting if they'd have found a solution and then got captured and couldn't do anything with it. Right. You know, so even more desperate. Like, like they basically had no answer to any of this in the actual movie. But if they would had an answer but couldn't actualize it, it would have been more tragic, I guess.
1: Right. Although I do have to say, throughout the whole thing, even though I do find a lot of problems with it, maybe because I want science to win, <laughs> I really enjoyed how they really played up the anxiety part. Yeah. Because you're just looking at somebody who is sitting next to you and you're like, I can't tell if you're real or you're not because you look exactly how you're supposed to. They yeah. did an excellent job. And the music and the ultrasound type thing when the pods were were going. Yeah. But that was like another, like, how did you feel about when Matthew falls asleep and all of a sudden you have like seven pods around you? I'm like, I would I didn't understand that. I thought you would have one pod, it gets a little hairy and just attaches to you and it sucks you your
0: so, being. So I'm assuming that the other pods were the other people asleep in the building. Right? But
1: there was like an alien faced one. It well, wasn't like I, everybody looked like Well, their... I think they
0: were forming. I think that was them before they were formed. That's kind of what I interpreted. It came out looking more like a Cabbage Patch Kid looking Yeah, you think so? So like,
1: yeah, I guess I thought that his looked like him Well, and then it, you had it, alien one.
0: Well, it felt like at first it didn't. I thought felt like first it looked like kind of was weird looking and then it looked like him i don't know that was my interpretation maybe maybe
1: maybe i missed that i just kind of thought that that was like part of why banjo man kind of morphed into its own banjo dog
0: no he kicked it remember i think that's why he Uh, kicked the pod and it like was bleeding so i think it like got messed up (laughs) (laughs) well that's really insightful i missed that part yes so i think that's where it where it happened but yeah, I mean, that whole the whole part here at the end where they're running and running and running, and I especially like the one part where you see their shadows up on the building, and then you see them running, and they're very small compared to what their shadows were. Like yeah. That's part of the noir. Apparently, when the director went back and he was trying to take some of the cues from the 50s movie, and the 50s movie was kind of done in noir fashion. Okay. And so that and also the part where um, where Matthew is in Elizabeth's room, When Elizabeth is being tried to be duplicated the first time, which we didn't talk about, but where he's in the closet and he like kind of leans forward and his face comes out of the shadows Mm -hmm. and it's like lit. Like that was one of those, one of those moments.
1: That's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that the chase scene was really well done. Like the, I don't know how far she had to run in those heels.
0: I I would have taken them off. There's so many steps.
1: I would have, I would have, I would have definitely fallen.
0: Yeah. Unlike zombies. Or slow zombies, normal zombies. Like, these were fast people. Like, they're chasing them. Yeah. And, like, they're intelligent. And you have to, like, try to get away from them. I mean, yeah, I was like, holy crap.
1: Yeah, I, I was shocked that they made it as far as they had.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, you remember the part where they are, they get in a cab. Which I think was kind of dumb to me. Like, you would think the cabbie probably was not I mean, they didn't realize how widespread it was yet, right. I guess. But um, the cabbie was the director of the 1956 movie oh nice and he got the cameo yeah he
1: did a good job because i didn't know at first that he was a pod person like he did a really good job of playing that up and then at the end you're just like oh shoot he he's gonna get him and then they escape the cab
0: yeah i mean there really is a question with the pod people how emotionless are they supposed to be right because they kind of seem to act like normal people when they need to
1: right was there an intellectual level of that particular alien who could kind of suck in and say like act more like this
0: yeah i don't know i mean
1: clearly you're lacking something if you're saying go ahead and take that body
0: yeah I don't, I don't know i i guess yeah i don't know they just they seem like they waffled between like Je- jeffrey seemed very emotionless to me and then some of them seemed much less like kibner seemed normal right i like, didn't you know kibner was different he seemed exasperated at them for, you he know, did, imagining yes. that they were aliens. Like he was putting on a very good show of being human.
1: Yeah, I yeah, it's really just I guess that's really complicated to figure out where the line is. As an alien who doesn't have emotion, do you get frustrated with your goal not being reached? <laughs> yeah, I
0: don't know, maybe. What did you think about the nippleless uh boobs there at the the duplication of of Elizabeth? I thought uh, that was, I was like, oh, oh, okay. I guess they're not finished baking <laughs> yet.
1: I <laughs> I um <laughs> they weren't finished baking yet. I I don't think it bothered me. I don't I like it didn't even dawn on me until you just said it, that they were nipple-less, but you're right.
0: Do you think it was supposed to be uh uncomfortable? Like did that that's why they showed them because they were it was supposed to be kind of I guess I was like gross is not the right word, but like it, it like different in a way because it was also sort of semi-sexual that it was like weird was it illicit like a response maybe like you know I, what I, mean? I don't
1: know if it was like the pasties made it better like what if they didn't have the pasties would they have gotten a different rating like what, what was i don't know what well was i mean i mean she,
0: her at the end you saw her with nipples that's true like the actual her when she was duplicated right like she was naked yeah but the other one that was in the kind of plant yeah. area, their little garden. She area. had a lot of plants, by
1: the way. Yeah, she did. Absolutely. <laughs> like she had a green thumb. I do not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like like that one didn't have any.
1: Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that, that there was a difference. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, being in that position, maybe it was a little bit too too much to have the nipples. I don't know.
0: So did you buy their relationship in the movie?
1: Matthew and Matthew Elizabeth. Matthew and Elizabeth. I did. Yeah. I didn't see any issue with it. I did almost, I guess because they worked together and, you know, they had some sort of history. It almost seemed like they they had been either friends for a really long time or they had a relationship beforehand and it just didn't work out at the time and and it just kind of got reignited. But
0: I felt like the kiss they shared in the health department was... Not a passionate kiss to me. It was almost like a, a tragic kiss. Yes. Like they were acknowledging that they cared about each other, but they knew they probably weren't going to be able to right. ever act on that. Right, the world to come to an end type of thing. And then I thought it was especially um, uh, tragic. Is not the right word. Horrific, maybe. That you know he comes back from the boat knowing that, they, that they're not going to get away. Right. And she's asleep, and he kind of already knows she's she's not gonna wake up. And he's hugging her, and he's like, "The boat's there; it's gonna come take us away, or whatever." And her skin gets pulled; it's like it starts to shrink up. Yeah, it's like ugh. which was kind of gross and cool—a cool effect. Yeah. And then she husks right in front, right it was and, like, in, her, in his arms. Caved in on herself. Oh yeah. It was like
1: yeah that she got like dehydrated to the point where she just like collapsed in on herself. And
0: I thought he did a really good job of like looking like. Like, horrified by that. Like, he lost everything right there. Yeah, yeah. He
1: did – yeah, his emotions were unbelievable at that point. I thought he did an amazing job.
0: And then she stands up and she's naked. Yeah. And, And the interesting thing to me is, like, he's probably never seen her naked right like they never got to f- fulfill their relationship to the point that you know they'd be together sexually and yet he's like there she is naked in front of him basically like it's okay whatever like i thought that was weirdly erotically horrific i guess
1: i kind of thought his expression at that point was like oh also like he kind of looked at her. But
0: that's what I mean, right? It's right. like it's and not I, her. I was but like it is her. And then
1: it, it, it was and I don't know if this was just me interpreting it the way and looking at his emotions, but when he looked at her and he's like, Oh, like sexually, but then you see this look cross his face, like, that's not that's not her. Yeah like there's nothing there anymore. I need to get out of here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I just thought it was very tragic. It was very sad
1: right. to me. In but that, however, in like I don't know how many films he did before this one. Yeah. 'Cause this is, you know, the first time I've ever seen him look like that. So I'm assuming he hadn't done too many, but like his acting was on point.
0: Oh yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And and I thought she's good too. I like She was very good. She was like a much hotter Lois Lane.
1: She was a Um, hot Lois um, Lane. Yeah.
0: By the way, I found her very, very sexy in this movie.
1: Oh really? Like I have you what is she I've never seen her? She's not
0: in very many other things. Okay. Um but. In general, her character, her, her acting. I don't know why. She has very
1: the, expressive eyes.
0: I, I feel like of all the movies we've reviewed. This on was the your podcast, hottest girl? I think she's the, she's the most attractive girl.
1: All of the movies.
0: I think so. I think so.
1: Wow, we've seen quite. Like, I, mean, I mean, she's like,
0: she's super smart, right? She's like, works at a lab. Oh, so you're she's going whatever. for like, the, like whole the whole character. I'm just saying like, I, yeah, I mean, I'm talking about physically. I'm not talking about just physically attractive. I'm uh-huh. just talking about the whole thing. Like she's the most attractive person in is a character to me. I'm learning so much about you right yeah, now. Yeah, I don't right? know. Like in, and like, <laughs> and she is like a hotter version of Lois Lane. Nothing against um Kidder who plays Lois Lane in, in Superman. She's cool. But now fun fact. Okay. Okay. Who do you think Brooke Adams is married to? You will never guess this in 5 billion years. But I, I will But I will tell you this. He is the main actor in one of the movies that we've reviewed.
1: I'm going to go with Bruce Campbell because that's the only person I can think of that would be around that time frame.
0: Nope. Not Bruce Campbell. Tony Shalhoub. Really? Yes. And he's younger than her. Huh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, four years she, younger. Okay. Now, they weren't married then. Right. They're this married in like 1992 or something okay. like that. But I'm just saying, I looked her up and I saw her in that picture of Tony Shalhoub. And I was like, what? It's blowing my mind. 13 Ghosts for any listeners that aren't picking up which movie it was.
1: I would never in a million years would have guessed him. Yeah, no. Maybe it's because I tried not to think about 13 Ghosts <laughs> too much. But well, we talk about it all the all time. The time.
0: And, and like the weird thing about it is... He's old to me, and she's young to me because I know them from these movies. I mean, he's always act, looked but, forty. Yeah, but he's actually younger than her. By actually, like four years.
1: I'm going to say maybe he's forty five.
0: I don't know. Well, he's older than that. Now. I
1: mean, like perpetually forty five. Oh,
0: you mean the way he looks? Yes. yes, yes, yes. You're right. Yep.
1: Yeah, I would love to know what he looked like as a child. <laughs> I don't
0: know. He's <laughs> forty five always. I don't know. I don't know. But that was That's a, yeah. That was hilarious. A, it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, crazy.
1: definitely wouldn't have picked him.
0: So, what did you think about the end? Him being a pod person.
1: So I. I was wondering what was going on if he had figured out how to become emotionless so that he could get through and survive because you know he hides underneath the pier.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you assume that they find him with the flashlight because of the way they directed the you know
0: yeah the beam yep, yep yeah it wasn't
1: like I had thought he had a chance to get away. I assumed that they had found him. I thought it was great with the amount of time that they gave the interaction between Nancy and him and the scream. I thought that was brilliant, and then you and I—I mean, it was disappointing because you're like, "Well, now there goes Nancy." Yeah,
0: there goes Nancy. Sure. Well, apparently nobody knew until that day. Oh, really? They did not let Donald Sutherland know. They didn't let the actress who plays Nancy know until he turned and and
1: And did the did the scream.
0: Now, obviously, he didn't do the sound, but yeah, but he opened his mouth, but he did the thing. Yeah,
1: pretended to shriek. I guess.
0: Yep. And uh, yeah. So well, that's
1: phenomenal because her reaction, I think, was also amazing. I I think that like she was the perfect character for that kind of like I believe in aliens type craziness.
0: Sure, yeah, she was a New Age lady. Yeah, yeah, but
1: that that interaction between the two of them was like perfect. Yeah, I have to say, I, I mean, I usually like a happy ending.
0: I was just gonna say, I generally like happy endings. Yes, yeah, well. so I'm
1: a very positive person, so yeah. this was like, there's no positivity here unless you want to think like, hey, at least somebody's living on the earth, <laughs> even though they're pod people even and they're, they're gonna, pro- yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I I just thought that that. That ending was really, really good. And I wonder how people felt about it in 1978, if they were as shocked or if it was just like, you
0: know. I I imagine they were pretty shocked. Because I think the idea of a sad ending was not as prevalent then. Right. Right.
1: And it was like just the perfect amount of time to sit there and be like, well, what's going to happen? Is he going to be like, just, you know, stop saying my name? Or is he going to do the shriek?
0: And especially since in the book, they actually leave the earth. The aliens? Yes. Okay. Apparently, they don't like the amount of resistance that we put up, and they're just like, all right, fine, we'll leave, you know. Whatever, These <laughs> little, man. like, fine. You, you guys, guys loose things, are like, just like, ah, yeah, I'm
1: tired screw of you. you. Screw you guys. You man. guys complain whatever. all the time.
0: Exactly. You know, it's funny, because uh, Matthew, they shoot it in a way that you don't know whether he's a pod person, obviously. Right. But I kind of wondered, I mean, he, even as a pod person, he was watching Elizabeth, and I was wondering, like, is there maybe some humanity... In these things that they can't even suppress humans' emotions at some right. point. Like, was there was his love for her so strong in the right, moments yeah. in which he, you know, he ended up being taken over? You know, was that transferred in some way? Yeah, because they I do give know. themselves
1: that like, That stare I'm, when he answers the I'm, lab. But
0: I'm trying to make it a happy ending. Yeah, I don't think he can. Uh, I know. Okay.
1: But like one thing I did see as I was going through my you know, like I didn't do any real fun facts because I knew Ray had um, taken the cake on this one. Yep. But as he was burning down the warehouse and he was going on that kind of beam, yeah, he refused to be like hooked up to it. So that was him just going without any safety because he wanted it to look really realistic.
0: Well, It did look realistic.
1: I mean, I was like that guy. Yeah, it did.
0: And it looked realistic when he came out of that window and slid down the roof and rolled over onto the thing. I was like, go, all
1: right. So he didn't get injured, but somebody else who was a support, actor, got seriously injured. Wow. Yeah. I guess with all the explosions.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of pyrotechnics in that scene. I don't know how. I don't know why the lights exploded, but Yeah, sure.
1: no, they were like dinky little fairy lights or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's just like, <laughs> like heat
0: lights or whatever. You know what I mean? Maybe those have a different characteristic. I don't know. Um, I will say that the, the cinematographer for this movie, because I like the cinematography in this movie a lot, uh, Michael Chapman, he did another movie that we've reviewed, Lost Boys. Oh. So... Yeah, interesting. He also did Jaws in the 70s, but...
1: What, like, it's, like, three very different films to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, like... And, like, the filming isn't, like, the same.
0: No, no, yeah, Like, yeah.
1: Lost Boys is very...
0: But Lost Boys is also a very artsy yeah, filmed sort of movie, I feel like. Like, and I feel like this one does, too. I mean, there's, there's a lot of a shots that are, I think, interesting.
1: But I think they must have, like, figured out that going over the ocean thing or whatever, because...
0: Well, I th- I think that's a, like, Schumacher, Schumacher thing. Schumacher, he requires dude. that in all his movies.
1: <laughs> Please, probably, find w- some way to go over There's probably
0: one guy he specifically hires just to do that shot, yes. probably. I don't know. There's I only one know. guy in the industry. Yeah. Uh, do you know what the boxer, the dog, you know what uh, her name was? No. Misty. Aww. Her name was Misty. She was cute. Yep. And the sound effects, the scream and all that stuff, the sound uh, was done by Brett Burt. I know you know who Brett Burt is, but he did the sound for Star Wars. So, oh, big okay. deal, big deal, big deal. And that's, I think that's all I have. I'm, you do you want to go through? Um, you want to go through uh, the ages? Because I'd love to hit the ages.
1: Yeah, I only have like two little fun facts. Okay, give you a fun fact, and yeah? we'll
0: go through the ages. Okay,
1: sure. so I know that you hear the ultrasound music, and the ultrasound is actually one of the ultrasounds of the wives of the guys who was doing something. Oh, the, the, cool. Yeah, I didn't cool, write cool. down the exact thing, but I was like, that sounds like ultrasound, and it literally is somebody's ultrasound. And uh, the baked potato scene was really bothering me because I, you know, do work in a microbiology lab, sort of.
0: <laughs> it's real science, anyway. Yeah, it
1: is super science. But Kosh is the modern-day father of microbiology. Okay. Of course you know that, right? I, I, yep. And sure. um, so, he, yeah, he discovered that you could use potatoes to grow bacteria at one point. So there is a potato dextrous agar that you can use. But in this case, he was using slices of potato to grow bacteria,
0: Cool, I understand. So, like, five words of that, but that's cool. I, okay. I get the growing Keep bacteria going. part. Gotcha. Yeah. Go. So
1: I don't know if it was supposed to be a funny joke that here he is is pulling out this potato and talking about the butter on it or whatever. But like, yes, we used potatoes back in the day.
0: I get it. Yeah. I can see it's a joke because he's like, I don't know if this is the butter or the bacteria that we would grow in this place. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. I, was, I just yeah. thought it was funny because he was it being like, it fell
1: short on even me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I, anybody's going to get I, this.
0: I just thought it was him being anal retentive, like, his, right. like, super particular, you know, health inspector thing.
1: Yeah, era. I just, like, I saw the potato, and I was like, I I know this plays some sort of part. I've never, I think that high school science classes will use potatoes. I never did it, but I just thought it was kind of neat.
0: We did not either, but yeah. cool. Want to hit the That's ages? All, I want to hit the ages. All right, okay.
1: I'm, I don't know if I'm going to feel good or bad about it.
0: All right, it. Let's, let's see. Okay, Donald Sutherland. How old do you think he was?
1: So he looked like a young chicken to me. So I'm going to go with like 28.
0: Donald Sutherland? Yeah. He was 42. Shit. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm I sorry, he, Ray. I, I think he, he, he might 40s. look better
1: than you. Really?
0: <laughs> I thought he looked old.
1: You think he looks old?
0: I thought he, I mean, not compared to how he looks now. I mean, he looks ancient maybe, now. Maybe but, because I only know but, him Because he's old. like in his 70s now or something like that. I mean, he, has he aged well? Yeah, I think so. But still.
1: No, I thought he he yeah, it was those gorgeous curls.
0: Yeah, I guess. And There's no gray in those curls, even at 42. No, it's great. no. Unlike my hair. What about <laughs> uh, what about Jeff Goldblum? How old do you think he was?
1: I would have said, oh god, hold on, let me think. Um, I would have said, like, I'm going to say he's a baby and let's go with 25.
0: Yeah, he's 25, 25 or 26, something like All that. Right. Brooke Adams and Veronica Cartwright, both ladies, are the same age.
1: I, okay, I would have say 32. 28
0: or 29. Ooh, okay, not that bad. Yeah, so yeah, not too bad.
1: So I got, it, like, I got a major compliment the other day. Okay. Yeah. So I'm working and I have this outside vendor come in and he told me that I look like I was 25. Well, there you go. I know. I started laughing hysterically and everybody around me was wondering what was going on. I was like, oh, you're so sweet. It's like at about like, you know, 12 years of that. <laughs>
0: Nah, you look good. You look good. Oh, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure about 25. No. Like,
1: <laughs> not at all. But his son but, was 32, you know, so it's like you know, he had like, a scale to go off of. Like 29, of. 29, 30. I'll Take it. I'll take it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's kind of like like I look 29, 30. You know, it's all good.
1: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some people gray early. <laughs> I, yeah.
0: Hey, I at least I still have it. That's all I care about. Yeah. Gray yeah. or not, that's okay. If I could have the wavy gray locks of Donald Sutherland uh, at whatever old age gray he is, hair. yeah, I don't think I awesome. realized
1: how how great his hair was.
0: I mean, I think you have to have great hair like him to overcome the nose that he has. He has Isn't a very prominent that the, nose.
1: It, I mean, Kiefer Sutherland has the same nose?
0: I don't know. Kiefer Sutherland is a strange looking dude.
1: He has lot, rather large ears, but I feel like as he has aged, he has gotten better looking.
0: I agree with that. Yeah.
1: Lost Boys, not so much.
0: All right. Are we, are we finished then?
1: Yes, I guess we are. All right,
0: let's, let's let's uh, you want to do kill, chill, and thrill?
1: Sure. sure. So So uh, with that, we get to kill somebody we can't stand. We get to hang out with somebody we'd love to spend time with, and we get to thrill with somebody who um, uh, you know, attracts our fancy. All right. So Ray, go ahead.
0: Okay. Who am I going to kill? Let's see. You know, I would probably kill Kibner. I dislike that guy. I, I like Leonard Nimoy, but like he was kind of a pretentious prick to begin with he i don't was. know if he was okay. a pod person at that point or not but like he kind of was the whole time his sorry.
1: pants fit so hey I, I, like I the
0: fashion was fashion yeah. but still sorry spock uh <laughs> and a little touch <laughs> <laughs> who would i chill with you know i gotta be honest with you if i could ride shotgun with matthew banel and all his health inspector adventures <laughs> i would just like to watch a show about him going around doing health inspections
1: i mean yeah I, it would almost be like Hell's Kitchen, except 1970s style. That would be, be freaking awesome! Yeah. Like
0: Hell's Kitchen, but not helping them, but like shutting them down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like yeah. it every moment of that idea. Okay, and uh, as far as is is thrill, obviously um, um, Elizabeth.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. there was no doubt about that one. Nipples no or no I mean, nipples? I mean,
0: pod, not pod, half-formed, I don't care. Whatever right, You don't care. Whatever, whatever, whatever form whatever, she's whatever, in. Whatever, I mean, you has got the little tendrils, whatever, whatever has to happen. I'm good. <laughs>
1: not the caved-in version, I guess.
0: Uh, not the husk. I don't yeah, think the yeah. husk I would... Gotcha. Yeah, that, that would be a little too far for me.
1: All right, so I would kill Jeffrey because he was douche from the beginning. I would probably hang out. Oh, gosh. Maybe Nancy.
0: Hey, Nancy I, seems cool. Yeah.
1: Like I feel like she's probably conspiracy theory. I love that stuff. Got a maybe. lot of
0: incense probably and yeah. oils and things going mm-hmm.
1: on. I think we'd hunt for a Sasquatch together. I think it would be Sure. Great. Oh, God. Thrill. I mean, maybe I'll go with Jeff Goldblum. I know he looks good at the end. You know, like he it takes a while to get into that face, but he looks really good at the end.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could break him in half. He's, uh, he's I mean, he's he, I mean,
1: as I, isn't as he as he aged, he's gotten a little bit more. Oh, substantial. Older Gold,
0: old Gold, Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you can choose old Jeff Goldblum. I,
1: I guess I can't, but I mean, I'll stick with him because yeah, no. I mean, although you know Donald Sutherland has the lovely curls, I I don't like knowing that he sleeps like that. I think I'm going to have to pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. All right. Well, with that, um, it's time to rate the movie. Now that we've reviewed it, only the best movies make it to the top of the hill, and to be the best, they have to perform in three categories. The first is technical composition, which represents how well the movie's made, including the script, directing, cinematography, acting, and effects. The second is impact, which represents how well the movie accomplishes emotional intent, Was it scary or funny, did it make you question mankind or the nature of your reality? And third is enjoyment, which is pretty simple. How much did you enjoy watching the movie? Would you watch it again? Do you never want to watch it again? And our scale goes from a 1 to a 10, with the 1 being the worst, and the 10 being the best all right helen
1: all right so for technical i gave it an 8 although there were things with the plot that i would change it's probably because i wanted science to win so i can't really knock it for that i thought that the effects were really good for the time i thought that the way that the flowers grew and like the aliens coming to the earth were really cool so i gave it an eight for impact i gave it a seven i thought how they made that anxiety part um kind of conveyed to you was unbelievable with the music, with the way the camera was shot kind of like pretty quickly while she was running through the town. I, I thought that was amazing. And an Enjoyment, I gave it a nine. I would watch it again. I, I don't know if I would get anything new from it, but because it was so enjoyable and the acting was so superb, I, I would definitely watch it
0: again. It was really funny because those are the exact scores I gave it. Really? In the exact order I gave it, as a matter of fact, yeah, eight, seven, and nine. Yeah, that's really funny. <laughs>
1: that so, is funny. I know you were worried about me. And yes, I was. Umbrella. I was very
0: worried about you. I mean, I, I was worried about Anne too. But since I slipped her a sleeping pill, she uh, couldn't <laughs> be here to rate it. So no, just kidding. I did. She not. did
1: not slip. He did not slip her the no dose. <laughs> I did not. Yeah. <laughs> he slipped her the go dose.
0: The go dose, exactly. <laughs> so let me uh, let me crank the old calculator and see what we get. All right. Well, I didn't really need to go to the computer to get all that because. Um, it's a, it's an eight, uh, which, which <laughs> we are so smart. Uh, yeah, so smart. Which uh, puts it in the number three position. It actually knocks the Invisible Man down one slot. So we've had two movies in a row that have come in third, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. This is only the third movie that we've had that's been an eight or above, which is great. The Ritual and Ghostbusters are above it. Invisible Man, Woman in Black are directly below it. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a great movie. It is actually ranked the number 53 in all-time scary movies, apparently.
1: Oh, really? Yeah.
0: I mean, it's it's a really well-made movie.
1: And I honestly think that it knocks down The Invisible Man just a little bit just because of the tone. Yeah. Like, there was more – I don't want to say more of a light tone in the Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but there was some jokes in there. Yeah. Whereas maybe we didn't pick up on those so much with The Invisible Man, but it was definitely darker.
0: It was a good movie. Good pick. Two two in a row. Yeah. That's great. I'm going to uh.
1: fail us on the next one. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: that's right. It's your pick. Yeah, it is. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this podcast, help us grow our audience. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast app you use. And please share with your friends and family on Facebook and Twitter and other social media platforms. Give us a shout-out to tell us how we're doing or suggest movies to review. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also email us at host.hth at gmail.com. I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards, and on behalf of my co-host, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time.